Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 17. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The title of my sermon is Mountain Moving Faith, Matthew chapter 17. Beginning in verse 9, saints, if you're there, would you say amen? Now as they came down from the mountain, in verse 9, as they came down from the mountain, underline that in your Bible, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first, and we will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. And then in verse 13, the disciples understood that he spoke to them about John the Baptist. Now, you might want to stop right there. You know, verse 13, you might want to try to remember that, underline it, because this is one of the few times that the disciples understood something that Jesus was talking about. I'm amazed. I know that when I get to heaven, the disciples are going to be lined up, ready to beat me up, because I talk about them all the time. But but here, they, they understood what Jesus was saying. Now, if you would stop right there, give me your attention. If you were with us last week... You know that that we were on the mountaintop with Jesus, Elijah, Moses, Peter, James and John. And it was there on the mountaintop that we got a glimpse of his glory as a metamorphosis, a change, a transformation took place in the life of Jesus. He was changed right before their eyes. His face began to glow. His garments glistened and he was completely engulfed in this blazing bright Shekinah glory. It was at that time that Peter said, wow, let's start a building project. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you, Jesus, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And the voice at that time, you know, if you were with us, the voice at that time came from heaven, came booming out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And they were afraid, the Bible says. And it was at that time that they closed their eyes. And when they opened their eyes, look at verse 8 in your Bibles. When they opened their eyes, they saw Jesus only. Don't you just love that? Jesus only. See, it's all about Jesus. Amen, saints? And they opened their eyes and they saw Jesus only. Only And then as they're heading down the mountain in verse nine, it was at that time that Jesus said to them, he says, tell the vision to no one. 
Now think about it. They're heading down the mountain. And Jesus says, fellas, by the way, he says, let's just keep this between me and you. Us and, you know, let's keep this among us. Now, I, I don't know, Bible. I, I see that as being pretty cold on Jesus' part. I mean, Jesus is like, look, this is the most incredible experience that they have ever had. I mean, it doesn't happen twice in a lifetime that you're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And remember, we talked about how when Jesus was transformed, he was revealing to them his deity. He was clothed in humanity. And for that moment, he began to show forth his deity. And then this awesome moment that they've experienced on the Mount, coming down the mountain, Jesus says, fellas, I don't want you to tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Man, these guys are fired up at this point. And of course, they get down to the mountain. And remember, there were only three up on the mountain. There were nine down, you know, at the foot of the mountain. And so the three, Peter, James, and John, come down. And the other nine say to them, they say, hey, what happened up there? I mean, what, what happened up there? And they say, nothing. Nothing. Can't, can't, can't breathe a word. Can't say a word. Nothing. Nothing. Jesus said nothing. I mean, Awesome moment in their lives. You know, it reminds me of this story of these two pastors who ditched their services on Sunday morning to go golfing. And they told the leadership that they were sick. So they get out on the golf course. First hole, hole in one. Second hole, hole in one. Hole after hole, hole in one. The problem was when they got back, they couldn't tell anybody. can't tell anybody. Jesus says, don't tell anybody. So after seeing Elijah up on the mountain, did you notice this in your Bibles? This prompts a question. Jesus, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Now, I want you to notice something here. The scribes taught in Malachi chapter four, verse five and six. It says, behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So they knew Elijah was to come. Jesus said, Elijah will come first. Malachi, did you notice this, makes it clear that it's before the dreadful day of the Lord, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, many believe that Elijah will be one of the two witnesses. If you fast forward in the book of Revelation, there's two witnesses who are in Jerusalem preaching the gospel. And many believe that Elijah will be one of those witnesses who come before the dreadful day of the Lord. The other witness would be Moses. So Jesus says, Elijah has come, but you didn't know him and you killed him just like they're about to kill me. He's talking about John the Baptist. Jesus says, John the Baptist came, notice in your Bibles, in the same spirit, power and presence and ministry of Elijah. But he wasn't Elijah. Now, this is important. This is not reincarnation here. He came in the spirit, the power, and the presence of Elijah, but he wasn't the person of Elijah. And notice in verse 13, the, the Bible says the disciples understood what he was talking about, that he was talking about John the Baptist. Now, yesterday, rainy day, long day, restful day for most of us. You know, I had the opportunity to be home and just sitting and thinking. 
And I was telling him the second service that, you know, I was just looking over this passage and, and I began to think about it. I mean, you know, Jesus, think about this. Jesus, he ascends the Mount of Transfiguration. He's there up on the mountain in all of his glory. It was at that time that Jesus could have said, disciples, fellas, I think from here, I'm just going to go ahead and ascend up to my father. I, I, you know, I, I've done the ministry. I, I've taught you guys a lot. Remember, he said, I taught you how to be a disciple. Remember, take up, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. You know, I've spent time with you. I, I, I've taught you. Even Jesus might have said, I put up with you. He says, and now, you know, I, I, he could ascend it right there from the Mount of Transfiguration. He could have ascended up. But did you notice in your Bibles, you could miss it if you weren't careful. It says, and he came down. And Jesus knew when he came down, he knew before he went up, he, when he came down, he was headed for the cross. Jesus could have been up there on that mountain and said, you know what? I don't think I want to suffer on the cross. So you got to understand something. Jesus knew that the suffering was ahead of him. If you understand that, say amen. He understood that. You see, I would not die for the sins of the world knowing that the world was going to reject me. I would not allow my son to die for the sins of the world knowing that the world was going to spit on him. They were going to mock him and blaspheme him and shake their fist at him. I would not do that. I would not allow my son to do that. Jesus knew he was going to the cross before he ascended the mountain. And now he's descending, understanding, knowing that he is headed for the cross. And yet he still does. It's like he ascended one mountain, Mount of Transfiguration, only to descend and then to ascend another mountain, Mount Calvary. For you. And for me, to die on the cross for the sins of a Christ-rejecting world. Hey, he could have said, I'm out of here. I'm done. I don't want to suffer. You guys are on your own. Work your way to heaven. I've told you enough. I've done enough. I'm out. He didn't do that. He came down one mountain only to climb Another mountain. That's just awesome to me. And then notice in verse 14 in your Bibles and beginning in verse 14, we have this serious contrast. Get this. You taking notes? Got a pen? You taking notes? We've got this serious contrast from the last section. Jesus goes from mountaintop to valley low, from glory to shame, from light to darkness, from power to helplessness, beginning in verse 14. Saints, if you're there, say amen. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water to drown. So I brought him to your disciples, but Lord, they couldn't cure him. They couldn't help him. And then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Notice, underline this in your Bibles. Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus in verse 19 privately and said, Why could we not cast out the demon? 
Now, in your Bible, stop right there, give me your attention. In your Bibles, you will find a parallel account to this story in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, also in the book of Luke. So, pardon me, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, and in the book of Luke, and here in Matthew. Now, in Mark chapter 9, I'm going to try to put the stories together to kind of fill it out, because Mark chapter 9 actually gives us a, a more fuller picture. Mark tells us when Jesus, Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain, down in the valley, a multitude was gathering together, particularly the scribes. The scribes are there with the multitude, and they're arguing. They're actually circling the, the disciples, Arguing with the disciples, probably calling them a fake, probably calling them hypocrites, probably calling them a fraud and phonies because they couldn't cast out the demon. And so Jesus comes jumping in in Mark chapter nine. Read it in your own time. Jesus comes jumping in and he asks them, what are you discussing with my disciples to the to the to the to the scribes? You know, it's almost like Jesus comes jumping in and say, you better back up off my boys, you know. That's in the Greek language, by the way. I'm going to back up off my boys. So he says, what are you discussing? And it was at that time that this despairing father, remember I'm putting him filling in the blanks here, the despairing father brings his little boy to Jesus and he says, Lord, have mercy on my son because he has what appears to be epilepsy. Now, understand something. In the new King Jimmy we have the word epilepsy. But in the King James, or the King Jimmy, I like to affectionately call it, there's the word lunatic. Actually, in the Greek language, this word is better translated. It's a bad translation, epilepsy. It is better translated lunatic. The word lunatic, taking notes, means to be smitten by the moon. Why? Because in that culture, they believe that if you were sleeping outside at night, and the moon happened to shine on your face, it would drive you crazy. Thus the word lunatic. Interesting. But the boy was a lunatic, according to the scriptures, as a result of demon possession. The demon was hurting the boy. The father comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, my son is being thrown in the fire. He's being thrown in the water. This is a violent, evil demon throwing the boy in the fire, throwing the boy in the water, seeking to drown this boy. Mark chapter 9 says he would also gnaw his teeth and his body would become rigid and taut and stiff. This demon was trying to hurt this boy. He couldn't hear. He couldn't speak. I mean, think about that. Can you imagine anything worse than when your children are sick? Nothing to me as a parent, parents, nothing is more painful than when your kids are sick. Amen. I mean, it's almost like if your kids get a little runny nose, it's like, oh, my gosh, my kid is so sick. They laying in the bed, poor little pookie, can't even breathe, especially if it's your first kid. Now, you know how you treat the first kid, right? It's the first son. Oh, everything. You, know, you just worship the kid. By the time you get to number five, it's like, who are you? Who are you kids? I mean, you know, you get the number five, you know, even number two, you know, it's number two. Oh, yeah, that again. You know, number three, number four, number five. Oh, man, by five, you're just like, oh, whatever happens here. Get your own tissues. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mommy, I'm sick. So what? <laughs> you know, by five. 
but, but it's a pretty painful thing to see your kids. Now put yourself in his father's shoes when other fathers were out teaching their kids a, a carpentry trade or teaching their kid or their son to fish. This father was trying to keep his son alive. He couldn't leave this boy for a minute. He was on call with his son for 24-7. And so Jesus comes. The man comes to Jesus. He drops to his knees and he says, Jesus, I'm desperate and I'm tired and I've brought him to your disciples and they can't help him. And then in verse 19 or verse 17, Jesus said, oh, faithless generation, look at it in your Bible. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you and how long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus is grieved. Why? Because their inability to heal the boy gives support to the enemy and robs God of his glory. Jesus is grieved because instead of seeking the father, they're arguing with the scribes. Jesus is grieved because in Matthew chapter 10, he had given them power over all unclean spirits and demons. And apparently they weren't using that power that Jesus gave them. And so he is grieved. He's grieved because they aren't trusting him. Because of unbelief, unbelief kept them from casting the demon out. And Jesus says, oh, man, when will you get it? Bring the boy to me. I don't have time to preach about this this morning, but bring your kids to Jesus. You know what this tells us, parents? When our kids are acting like lunatics. Say amen. <laughs> Y'all like, yeah, how'd you know? It's a spirit. And I've had a few. When your kids are acting like lunatics, bring them to Jesus. Parents, bring your kids to Jesus. Parents, bring your kids to church. Parents, bring your kids to the household. You will never, ever regret bringing your children to the house of the Lord. You'll never regret that. You might regret getting them a PlayStation because you thought they needed a new one. You might regret getting all the things that they ever wanted because you just love them up. But you'll never regret bringing them to the house of the Lord. You'll never regret raising your children the things of the Lord. I've heard of parents who told me, you know, I hadn't seen them in church for two and a half years. Hey, how you been? Well, hey, I haven't seen you in church in a while. Where you been? Oh, well, you know, we've been in sports. We've been in hockey. Been taking my kid to hockey. I'm like, man. You know, I ain't got nothing wrong, nothing wrong with hockey. Hey, if hockey's your thing, uh, hockey on. But, but you know, I mean, whatever, hockey, do your hockey thing. But don't do hockey and don't do church. Bring your kids to the Lord. You know, it's nice when you can look at your kids when they're 20, 18, 20 years old and say, you know what, I've raised you in the things of the Lord. Now you know. And this is what the Bible says. When they are old, they won't depart. Will they ever stray? Maybe because they're lunatics. But they won't, but, but, but they will, they'll come back. You understand what I'm saying? Say amen. They will come back. Why? Because you lay that foundation of bringing them to Jesus. Mark chapter 9 then goes on to tell us, get this, when they brought the boy to Jesus, Jesus turned to the father and he said, how long has it been this way? And the father said, since he was a little boy. And then Jesus said, 
And, and he asked Jesus, he said, Jesus, if you can heal him, he says, Jesus, if you can, he says, then have compassion on us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And it was at that point that the father starts crying and sobbing. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Have you ever been there in your life where you say, Lord, I believe? Have you ever been there? Show of hands. Lord, I tell the truth. You in church, all right? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We've all been there. God understands that. He understands and appreciates that. Might I add? Appreciates that. This man is one of the most honest men in all of the Bible. Because he said, Lord, help me to understand. And where I can't understand, help me to trust. And where I can't trust, then help me to overcome my unbelief. I'm the most honest man in the Bible. And then Mark 9, 25 goes on to say that Jesus said to the demon, he said at this time, Jesus looked at the demon and he said, death and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Yay. And you know what? I don't hear Jesus screaming those words. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, we all see you. It's like if you, you see people like, you know, when, you know, you see, you see like on TV, you know, when people are like casting out demons and stuff. And I've been in circles like this where they were casting out a demon and, and man, people were yelling and screaming and spitting and yelling, you know, I command you in the name of Jesus, you come out of there and you know, like grab the guy's head and shake him. I said, come out of there now. And they get to screaming and sweating and running and spitting and carrying on and you know, the guy, and they throw him on the floor. And it's like, okay, you've cast out the demon, but now you've broken his back. (laughs) Goodness. I mean, I don't hear Jesus screaming. Why? Because Jesus doesn't need to scream. He understands, and saints might I add, you and I should understand that the power is not in our drama. The power is in The word of God. You see, Jesus healed this man by his word or this boy by his word. Jesus always heals folks by his word. And he doesn't have to go yelling and screaming and carrying on. Listen, all all he got to do is speak the word. Remember in the beginning, light be light was. Let there be light. It was just the word of God. That's all. And one time, a t- I had the TV on at home, but I have a fun time when I'm by myself because I'm lonely. And uh, <laughs> I had a TV on. You know, you flip the, I'm watching the guy. He's like, I don't tell you in the name of Jesus, you come out of there. You know, he's throwing the guy down. And, you know, I just decided to turn and put the TV on mute. I just wanted to watch that from mute. Try it sometime. It's very entertaining. I mean, you know, and they're just like, I mean, it's a trip. You ought to try it sometime. Entertain yourself. 
It's all about the word, saints. Amen. It's just all about the word. Jesus wasn't yelling. And then the Bible goes on to tell us that the demon, get this, again, a very violent, vile demon. The demon tried to put up one last vicious fight. He took his anger out on the boy, threw his body on the ground. The boy went into convulsions, began to foam at the mouth, and the demon left the boy's body. And might I add, Jesus, if you will, happily returned turns the stolen goods, his body, back to his rightful owner. Yeah, man, it's just all in the word. And the disciples see that. And in verse 19, they said, why couldn't we do that? You know, and Jesus says, here's why. Three things, unbelief, lack of prayer, and fasting. Look at verse 20. If you're there with me, say amen. And Jesus, if you're there in verse 20, Matthew 17, verse 20, if you're there, say amen. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move And read this with me, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.